Good evening. Today is November 28th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is There is a Solution, and our speaker tonight is Maria C. Thank you, Maria. Yeah, we just got it. Yay, there we go. Hey, everybody. My name is Maria C. in California. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, sugar addict, 100-pounder. Um, I am very excited to be here. I have heard people talk about this meeting. I have seen people post about this meeting. I've heard how wonderful it is. Um, but I'm on Pacific Coast time, and I work until 5 o'clock. And so I've never been able to all those really strong East Coast meetings at 8 p.m. Eastern, I just never really get to attend. Um, but I had already planned to just leave work early anyway today, but uh, work was closed today. There was like some city work on the block outside of my control. So I didn't even, I, it, I was meant to have today to focus on other things. Um, so I'm really, really thrilled about that. Um, I am newly recovered. I um, finally really took step one in January. So I have almost 10 months of abstinence and I've been recovered living in 10, 11 and 12 since July. So I'm, I'm very new to this. Please bear with me. Um, I was really excited to reread There's a Solution and uh, to think about how my journey looks like the uh, journeys in the book looks like the original people who are working this and figuring it out. And so I want to start by sort of setting an intention for how I would like my, my share to go, but I acknowledge that God is in charge of everything uh, to do with me in my life. But I was looking at page 29 and um, you know, the final couple of lines that we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems, that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I'm one of them. I must have this thing. Um, and I was so glad to reread this chapter again with this lens, because um, I am now sponsoring and thinking about how sharing my story, and now that I'm being invited to sometimes speak at meetings, how sharing my story um, can really help other people. Um, I would like to start uh, again with a little bit about myself, about the problem, about where, where I came from briefly to qualify. I was born a compulsive overeater. Nobody made me that way. I might've thought my parents did, but that was not the case. Um, they were wonderful. And um, I grew up in a steady, <laughs> steady diet of diet culture with a steady amount of diet culture all around me. And I you know, looking at uh, this chapter in the big book, it describes three kinds of drinkers, the moderate drinker, the hard drinker, and the very real alcoholic who is almost always invariably insanely drunk. And I would say that I treated my addiction, my allergy, my disease, however you want to call it, um, as if I were a moderate drinker, um, because I think that is how most people go about thinking about their body and about food. My childhood, my middle school years, my uh, high school years, I was always either overweight or obese. And it was this constant cycle of compulsive over-exercising, falling out of that habit, binging and going around and around and get around again until all of a sudden 
I got to college, I tore my ACL, I couldn't uh, assuage my disease that way anymore. Um, and came up with excuses to binge. And um, around my mid 20s, I first came into OA about six years ago, I tried to come in about seven years ago, heard the word God, and after two meetings ran away. But then I came in six years ago. And I would say at that time, I probably still thought of myself in hindsight, as that hard drinker, you know, I was, um, sometimes people share in the meetings that they weren't always hearing the message. They weren't always hearing the big book. I live in a big metropolitan city, hometown of Overeaters Anonymous. There are scores of people sharing the big book, sharing the message of spirituality and how God is the way to recover. And I just, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I, um, I know I heard them. I didn't consciously say, I'm going to ignore them and focus on other people, but oh boy, did I ignore it. Something else I'm thinking about in hindsight is um, I've noticed I would hear people say gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. And I never bothered to figure out what recovered was. I just heard grateful compulsive overeater over and over again. And I was like, these people, like they're crazy, you know? Um, Never heard that word recovered. I don't know if I wasn't ready. I don't know how much of it was unconscious, how much of it was intentional, but people were sharing the message with me and I just wasn't really listening. Um, And there came a point about a year ago where, you know, I came to OA, I kind of, thank you, I hear that, uh, half worked the steps. um, And I um, half had an abstinence and I lost some weight and then the pandemic hit and I stopped having an abstinence. Um, well, my abstinence got slippery and slippery and slippery and I stopped working the steps with my sponsor and then ghosted my sponsor. Um, but about a year ago, I finally hit a wall. I hit a new top weight more than I was at six years ago, but more than that, it was affecting my daily life in different ways. It was really getting in the way of me doing my job. I work with young children. I was breaking the chairs in my classroom. I was having trouble tying my own shoes. Uh, I was always afraid of injuring myself at work because I couldn't handle just all of the movement that was required. Um, I also started having health issues and I hadn't had as many for how much I weighed. I I think that I um, was it was easy to stay in denial because my blood pressure was fine. Um, I got acid reflux so badly. I lost my voice for three weeks. I spent all of Christmas just isolating in my parents' apartment because who would want to be around someone with a hacking cough? It's the times that we're in, you know, fair enough. Um, and so um, I was really excited to hear the pitch for that OA birthday party because that is where I found my sponsor. And that is where I finally decided to show up. And um, it was not really a fully conscious planned decision on my part. I hear announcements for the birthday party every year because I'm local. I heard the early bird registration, didn't sign up. Heard the regular registration, didn't sign up. Heard the late registration, didn't sign up. Uh, The Friday night after like almost half of the birthday party had gone by, I heard from other fellows that they were going and so bought a ticket. The last minute went Saturday morning, went to the hundred pounder panel, went up to one of the speakers after to wait in line. The other woman waiting in line to talk to her uh, said, hi, um, I'm looking for sponsees. And I said, I think I'm looking for a sponsor. 
And that was where we met. And that is really where I finally took step one, admitted I was completely powerless, completely, completely powerless. And so, you know, and there is a solution here. It talks about it's page 25, I believe, uh, right after the words, there is a solution in italicies that like almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. And you can bet I was in the rooms for five years, not wanting to do any of those things. I didn't really understand I couldn't have done them yet because I hadn't fully taken step one yet. Really and truly realized I was a insanely drunk, that I was a true compulsive overeater. My life was unmanageable and there had to be, you know, that I, I needed to find something. I was completely out of options. All of the other doors had shut. Um, and, um, the self-searching for me, I guess really did begin with steps one, two, and three, realizing the depths of my powerlessness and, uh, confronting the conception of God that I had been carrying on subconsciously for all these years. I, um, believed in a God that didn't love me. I believed in a God that hated me. Um, you, you know, I just, I was so far away and I was so scared. I was so scared of the idea of leaning on a higher power because in the past I'd felt abandoned. Um, And so I really truly had to admit I was powerless to finally jump over that cliff. You know, um, I really had to finally understand there was nothing behind me to go back to. It's like one of those in those spy movies where like the, the floors are like coming apart to the wall and like all of a sudden like there's no more floor because it's moved into the wall. You just have to jump. That was where I was. Um, I did not come up with a conception of my higher power right away, but I will share share now. Um, My higher power is a caregiver. My higher power uh, works with me a lot like the way I work with my students. When I think about how my higher power would treat me, I think my higher power would want me to brush my teeth, would want me to eat my vegetables, and would want me to use kind words when I talk to other people. Um, I really have sort of built that relationship, uh, which continues to grow um, and evolve every day on um, that foundation. Um, it meant I was finally ready, even though I didn't want to, to do the self-searching and take steps four and five. Um, Ten minutes. Thank you. I hear that. Um Step four and step five. um, I had trouble with step five. I did it fully and completely, but didn't feel better right away. As it's described in the big book, I had never fully voiced aloud my resentments, fears, and harmful conduct before. So it took a couple days and it took working six and seven for me to really get those step five promises. I am I think we are uh, we are all distinct ent- entities, but I think us compulsive overeaters were a special breed where we got to be addicts even in our childhood. Um, I know I've been using sugar and flour since I could walk. So I really had no idea what it meant to be somebody sober moving through the world. I really had no idea what it meant to confront every emotion and really feel it without having anything to turn to. Um, well, I do have something to turn to my higher power, but it felt like you know, there's, if there's no food, what else is there? Um, so 
I, I had never harmful conduct, even from childhood. It hit me so hard because I had just always buried it, always buried it with the sugar and the flour and the malaise. Um, it talks about, um, yeah, just more leveling my pride. Let's see what else I can go on steps eight and nine. Um, eight and nine for me, um, was a big turning point. I think it is for most people, you know, when I would do outreach calls every day, my sponsor had me do outreach calls every day to recovered fellows. I would talk to other people and they'd be like, Hey, you did five. That's amazing. And then it was again, when I uh, started doing my step nine amends, Hey, step nine, like people were like, wow, like really excited for me. Um, people are excited for every step. Every person says every step is their favorite step, but, um, it was really step nine when I started to make those amends, those amends to college friends who I'd really hurt and amends to an old teacher from when I was growing up as someone who is a teacher now. That was an event that I really ruminated on in a way that I don't think my higher power would have wanted me to. Um, and it was really taking step nine and moving into step 10 where I finally believed in myself. And I guess by the transitive property, believed in my higher power that I could actually work all 12 steps. I had never been sure I could before. Whenever I tried, I'd do it out of the OA text and I got up to step seven, question mark. You know, it was not uh, the full program of recovery because I wasn't ready for it yet. Um, and that was around the time where I thought this could be my life. This design of living works for me. I could actually be a sponsor, something that had never crossed my mind before. I could actually continue building a relationship with this higher power, um, which again, you know, four months prior, I had been terrified of. Um, it was really, really beautiful. Um, and then just another thing on um, page 25, the bottom paragraph, um, if you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. And that mindset, there is no middle of the road solution is something that I, as someone who is newly recovered, think about all the time. You know, um, I have never been a normal person. There's no going back to being normal. I was never normal to begin with. I can spend some of my time every day committing it to God and being of service to other people, which is what God wants. Or I can be stuck in the food, which takes a lot of physical energy carrying a 150 extra pounds, you know, that takes a lot of physical energy and the emotional and mental and spiritual and, and like, excuse me, energy taken up by the addiction and how it feeds my mind and my heart and just kind of slows everything down. Like that takes more work. I look at someone normal and think, wow, they can just get angry about something and then they're fine the next day. Like, how do they do that? Um, and, um, you know, I just have to remind myself, me waking up at five to pray and meditate might seem like a lot to someone who's normal, but it is nothing compared to the alternative for me. Never, it's either hopeless, uh, chronic alcoholic, or it's someone who is free by the grace of God. Um, and that's uh, one of the mindsets I use trying to keep it, trying to keep it every day. Um, I am... Um, I've also been reflecting lately on um, 
you know, the spiritual experience, um, we have had a deep and effective spiritual experience. That's also, that's also on page 25. It's a big one. Um, side note, it's been really fun to, uh, reread. Is that 15? Yes. Okay. It's been really fun to reread this again, because, um, you know, everyone has their favorite parts to quote, and especially old timers. And it's always fun to reread and just be like, I heard someone say that. I know someone who's memorized that. Like, that's just really fun. Um, but the spiritual experience, I really think about, um, you know, being a man with a real answer, having a radical spiritual alignment, that idea of being happy, joyous, and free, you know, these founders were talking about it not being their vocation. Um, but it being what they do with their extra time. And like, that, I don't need to be a professional recovery expert. I just need to give in the same way that other people have given to me. Uh, and I think, um, you know, living the solution when it talks about like only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems, it's really helpful to finish up with sharing how our life is happy, joyous, and free in a way it wasn't because that is, uh, part of the solution. Um, so I thought I'd wrap up with just, it was just what I could think of in like the half hour before this meeting, but, um, I have had a lot of dramatic physical changes, um, in the past year since working program. Um, but some spiritual and emotional growth that I was just thinking about today. Um, I didn't have to go to work today, but I woke up with the sun, um, morning person never this time a year ago never would have imagined myself waking up on purpose uh, at 6 30 in the morning that 6 30 felt like sleeping in for me um I then went to a phone meeting vision for you I know for a lot of people they hear of it for the first time they go and it's life-changing I had um heard of the meeting for years again I live in a big city uh when my sponsor first started talking to me about this meeting a few months ago I went into my wallet and I pulled out like a business card that someone had given me at an in-person face-to-face meeting in probably 2018 with all the information for a vision for you. Again, the message was around me. I just wasn't listening. Um, so I did that and I shared. And that, again, not something I would have done. Um, I've been really exploring my relationship with my higher power through poetry, reading nature poetry and just how the written word really moves me. Um, and, you know, reading the poetry books I have was always one of those things I intended to do. You know, there's a lot of things I always meant to do and I never really did. I also brushed my teeth the full two minutes. I don't think that's from physical recovery. I think that's from my higher power. Um, I take my meds every morning. I used to not, um, which is not a choice my higher power as a caregiver would want for me. Um, I'm excited when someone calls me on the phone. I'm excited when it's a number that I don't have saved in my phone. That is a radical change in mental and emotional and spiritual energy for me. And then finally, you know, I, I spent my whole life and I've heard a lot of other people share this sentiment too of like, you know, like we kept kind of waiting. Thank you. Perfect. Um, that we kind of feel like we're like, waiting for life to happen you know like lose some more weight or just we're kind of in a holding pattern and I feel like um life life is happening you know it's um sometimes it's tough sometimes it's wonderful today's been great um sometimes it's tough but um I'm not waiting it's not always easy but I'm participating um and that is brand new for me um 
that's brand new for me. So again, thank you for asking me to speak. This is super cool. The fact that this is recorded. Wow. I'm going to have to listen and see what my voice actually sounds like. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for letting me be of service. Thank you to uh, Ian and Chanel for booking and following up. And I'm really glad I finally got the talk. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, for your beautiful share, your experience, strength, and hope, and your history. I love that. Um, my addiction started in my childhood. Oh, yeah. Never thought of it that way, so thank you. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and I will call the raised hands in the order that I see them. And our timekeeper will keep um, will allow three minutes for each share and announce when your time is up. And if the speakers ask a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, I have Chanel's up. Go ahead, Chanel. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sally. So, wow, Maria, now I know who you are. <laughs> I was like, how do I know that name? Hi, I'm still Chanel. I'm still a grateful compulsive eater. And I keep forgetting to identify when I speak on meetings. It's not good. Anyway, we want identification here. And I want to thank you for that because I can identify. You and I don't have the exact same stories, right? They're different in some ways, but I understand you and you understand me. And that's a beautiful thing that I only get in this program. I don't get it in my family and they're wonderful people, but I don't, I don't get that same because they're not in this disease with me. They have their own issues. I don't get that at work. I don't get that at school. My daughter doesn't have it. As far as I can tell, I don't know. It's not up to me but she doesn't understand the way that you do. And I thank you for that. Uh, just identifying what you've gone through and, and saying that you were born with it because I believe I was too. It didn't manifest as showing in my body until I was 28, but I believe absolutely that I had it from birth. And something I wanted to ask you about is, did you find a turning point for yourself with the sponsoring where you didn't have, because I have some people on here who are going to be sponsoring soon or already just starting to sponsor. I'm honored and privileged to work with them and they're pretty terrified. And I remember being terrified. Do you remember having a turning point or did you just, do you remember just saying, you know what, I'm, I just have to do it anyway. That's my question. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the question. Um, so when I shared my anxiety about sponsoring soon in the same way, for example, that I would share my anxiety about doing step four when I was on step two, uh, my sponsor was just like, we're not there yet. She kind of shut me down. She was like, we're not there yet. Don't worry about that yet. Um, and when I finally got to step 12, I think it was doing a lot of outreach and listening to meetings and past meeting, you know, talks about sponsoring in step 12. And really it was actually in the, um, 
in the forward to the second edition of this big book I heard this morning, this idea that um, I am doing step 12 to keep myself recovered. You know, uh, AA number three, let Bill and Dr. Bob come in and tell them all about themselves because he thought he was doing them a solid. You know, I walked into every interview with a potential sponsee, one, letting them know that even this conversation was helping me. Two, letting them know that um, they, if they didn't want me to be a sponsor, it was okay. If they wanted to go find someone else, they didn't want to start working with me, it was okay. That um, it's just something I have to do for myself, and I commit to being as open and honest uh, and sticking to this book as closely as possible. Um, so, you know, the fact that I need it for me um, was what really helped me. Um, move through the discomfort. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darcy. Okay, there we go. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Darcy L. And I, I don't get to this meeting I just don't ever get to this meeting, you know, and I was very excited to have an opportunity to come tonight. So thank you very much. Um, I raised my hand to share because I don't want to share. And um, <laughs> I thought it'd be okay for it to be a, to be a short one. I wanted to thank Maria for your wonderful story. You know, I really appreciated it and could relate to so much of it, especially the um, having the disease, you know, start pretty much like I was three, maybe three or four, I can remember. So that was for, you know, that was a good thing I related with. Um, yesterday I celebrated 36 years in the room of OA and it, you know, this program has changed my life, you know, and it saved me on more than one level. Although for many years, a couple of decades, I chose to think I could run the show myself and that never went off very well. So I'm just uh, really grateful. You know, I'm grateful today and grateful for y'all. I live in North Carolina, so we have to say it that way. So uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, Darcy. Congratulations. Hannah B. Hi, Hannah B. Compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Maria, for your share. I'm so glad that um, you got to be here and speak. I love it when God just does that and we get those little gifts. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was that you said, um, but, ooh, and I wish I could, cause I did just a minute ago, but it struck the thought in me about just you know, when I was, the, oh, the energy and the weight that you carried, you know, and the amount of work and effort that was required in your disease to manage it, you know, and that the energy expended and wasted, right? And like, I'm just always so amazed at how like this disease, when I'm in my disease, I'm so preoccupied from like the gift of life and just presence and God's presence, you know, and how, I mean, I'm convinced that it was really any effort for my diseases just to keep me preoccupied from purpose, like from 
my divine purpose that I'm here for, you know, and, and service. And there's so many gifts in that. And it's like so amazing to me because I'm newly abstinent too. I, um, have almost seven months and <laughs> um, I'm laughing because my sponsor, I looked at my sponsor just then and she, she kept saying it was like the slowest six months of my life. And she, it must've been for her too. Cause she kept saying, you have six months. Are you going to put your name out for service now? You have six months. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I know this is taking like a year to get six months. It really was the slowest six months of my life. I think some of them, and I've been in recovery for 21 years and other programs. Um, but it's amazing now the energy that's freed up as a result of taking my focus, like off these distractions and off these external, like faux solutions, you know, and these faux pseudo spiritual experiences that I never really get, you know, to have any kind of long lasting result from. So, um, it's such a gift. And even when I'm in the discomfort of the the work and the things that are presenting in me to work through, like, this is when I'm the closest to God, I feel, because this is when I'm, I'm humble, you know, and I'm, I'm reliant um, because I can't do it on my own. And, and this is when just God just, he just gives me so many little gifts and lights on the path throughout the day. Um, and there's so much magic in that. So I just have to be so grateful for my condition, you know, as a result, I'm sure that's my time. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Hannah. Liz. Hi everybody. Liz K compulsive overeater. Um, Maria, wait, I'm looking for you. There you are. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for your share. It was really great to meet you and hear you talk for the first time. And um, you, you spoke really well on, you know, where, where you came from, what happened and where you are now. Um, that was such a good description of how it was for you. Um, I would like to, I guess, ask you about in this chapter, it keeps talking about how, you know, that little nagging thought comes, like almost not a thought, and then you get back into the food. And we don't we don't have a strong enough memory to room to to keep us away from it. Um, you know, like recalling as if from a hot touching a hot stove, like that just doesn't work. And um my sponsor is really cute about how she describes it um, because I kept relapsing and going through this cycle. Um, she said I was collecting evidence really for step one. <laughs> and I did a lot of data collection. I did a lot of collecting evidence and to the point where finally I was like, I can't deny it any longer. And I knew, you know, step one, boom. How did you get to that? you know, after the five years or whatever, how did you finally get to that level where you were completely surrendering to that, just accepting what you are? That makes sense. How powerless. Thank you. It does. Yeah. Thank you for asking that powerlessness. Um, I think it was kind of a, 
a slow burn um, to misuse the flame analogy, kind of a slow burn where I had had an abstinence that was not full, but it was partial over several years. And I just noticed over a year and a half, all of a sudden those like yellow light foods that I had only had sometimes, all of a sudden it was more and more often and more and more often. And this version was okay. And more and more often and more and more often. And I would keep going to meetings. During that time, I always kept going to meetings. And so I would hear the message that that was not how abstinence was supposed to work. And, you know, people would, you could write in the book that goes around the we care list, how long your abstinence has been. Um, and there got to a certain point where like, I guess technically my bottom lines had never been violated and that was coming up on five years, but I just stopped writing that I had any abstinence at all. Um, so um, that was what it looked like for me. It was, um, I guess, a lot of little moments strung together over a very long time. I'd never been, never really relapsed before because I had never recovered before. So I didn't have any big moments. It was kind of a lot of little ones. Thank you. Sally, you're muted. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Maria. Diane. Hi there. I'm Diane G, a grateful recovered compulsive reader from Canada. And Maria, thank you so much for your beautiful share. And thank you so much for saying that you because of the program, you got to go back and make an amends to a teacher. Like that's just how powerful this program is, right? And so when I came into the rooms two and a half years ago, there were two things that really annoyed me. It was when people said it wasn't about the food and they had neutrality over food. And I, sorry, I just thought that was total bullshit. But now I realized it is because um, I just started volunteering at a soup kitchen Thursdays and went there and helped serve breakfast. Everything was great. And then it was time to get ready for lunch. And here they wheeled out these big carts of all these fancy desserts. And who do they put in charge? Diane G, a compulsive overeater of all these desserts. So I'm there, I'm putting the, the baking on little plates, getting icing all over my hands. And I was just so grateful mm. that I could be God's undercover angel and have neutrality over food. And when I came into the rooms, I was 60. And when we got to step six and I had a look at character defects, I never, I always thought I was this, well, all of that in a bag of chips and it was everybody else's mistake. Like I was pretty great. And um, so over the last two, two and a half years looking at my character defects, but they still seem to be strong, like, like dishonesty. I still want to say everything you want me to hear what I think you want me to hear so that you're like me or gossip. I just get right into that gossip again. And I'm just wondering how you, how you, when your character de defects come up, how do you handle them? Ooh, thank you, Diane. That's a great question. Cause that's something I'm working on a lot every day. Um, I would say the biggest one that just keeps coming up again and again in my nightly review and again and again in my 10th step. So I guess that's how I'm working on my defects is, um, do, you know, trying to live 10 and 11. Um, it's selfishness, particularly in my classroom. 
wanting to be in control of my classroom, believing I am in control, because that is sort of the dominant way of thinking that I had before program is the teacher is in charge and I'm not in charge anywhere. God is in charge everywhere. And so that's the hard one. When you talk about the one that keeps coming back, I am give it to God, give it to God, how loud my students are, give it to God, give it to God. It's something I'm working on every day. Um, You know, I just keep hammering the nail in again and again on it. And um, I set some alarms for some very stressful times of day, just a little prayer hands emoji. I've heard a lot of people recommend setting alarms before to go to God. Um, And I also um, now do some outreach on my lunch break because the tough time of day for me is nap time when those kids should be sleeping and they're not. And half of nap time every day is my lunch break. And so I really need program around that time. So it's like I I plan my outreach around when I know the defect is going to crop up. Um, I I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Maria. Okay, it is, um, we're going to stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares.